Hi, I'm Tyra G, your host for Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. Welcome again to our virtual global gathering of phenomenal women and all of you who love them. Yes, you mothers, daughters, grand and great-grandmothers, fearsome and generous, humble and honest in pursuit of new possibilities and purpose. You know, here we dig deep and we come up way strong, don't we? For those of you joining us for the first time, each month we have a new theme inspired by you. Yes, I, I said you. We bravely walk into places where tradition has taught us there are some things that we don't even talk about, but not at this table. And no matter how hard judgment knocks, it can't come in. Beloved, here we live beyond the wreckage. Every week we experience, educate, encourage, and empower each other. Here we share aha moments and stories that have been left in our pockets for way too long. Every week we start right where we are. I am so excited how this show is progressing. We are celebrating our 10th month. Guess what? Dreams can come true. Y'all know Frankly Speaking was one of my most precious. I thank God for every remembrance of you, your ideas, your presence and your encouragement. Those are the gifts that kept me going in the wee hours when I wasn't sure. Let me say this, I can't do this show without you. Thank you so much. You're listening to Radio Fairfax, Fairfax, Virginia, on your TV, computer, or mobile device. And we are webcast worldwide. That's right, on the internet at www.radiofairfax.com. Org every Saturday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, should you miss us, no worries. We got a YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. And if you feel like connecting with me offline, you know how much I like that, right? It's easy. Email me at Tyra, tyragarlington.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. And thank you, Courtney Nero. For composing and performing our Frankly Speaking theme song and for naming it I'm Listening. Our theme this next two months is called Courageous Conversations. Big word, huh? Yeah, interesting title, yeah. But in order for us to get a return on investment on this theme, we're going to have to do something. We are going to have to show up and be present, authentic, and vulnerable. We're going to have to be perfectly imperfect and to receive the love, receive in love all the information about issues that may be uncomfortable to think about, to deal with, to anticipate, and to forgive. We're going to contemplate, evaluate, learn about, be surprised by, and celebrate. I received some great feedback on our first courageous conversation last week with our guest, Miss Sunny Crow, a breast cancer survivor, survivor, not once, but twice. And to introduce that show, I decided to step in with a story of my own. I shared how I wasn't that good at a courageous conversation when I had to receive the information that I had a brain tumor. But here's what we decided. We revealed during the show that courageous conversations aren't necessarily instantly obvious or successful. Sometimes they're a process or a journey. They're not an event. And sometimes our courageous conversations happen in and stay in hearts and our minds. Sometimes they are just plain silent. You know, we all have times and seasons when it requires courage for us to make it from one moment to the next. And sometimes we let shame and guilt demonize our potential to overcome, to make it to that next step. But for now, for now, we're going to pause in a space where we can be mirrors for one another to better understand topics that don't make it into polite conversation. So for two months, we're going to look beyond and behind the terms like 
human trafficking, domestic violence, child abuse, opioid, poisoning, homelessness, developmental intellectual disabilities. We're going to look beyond all of that and into the potential causes and effects, the victims and stakeholders, and the necessary related courageous conversations. Today's topic, today's courageous conversation, is in a space that touches all of us, if we're lucky. And how we deal with it depends. To create our common thought space for today and to introduce our topic, I want to read a poem, and I hope you enjoy it. It's called Warning, Warning by Jenny Joseph. When I'm an old woman, I shall wear purple with a red hat, which doesn't go, doesn't even suit me. And I shall spend my pension on brandy and summer gloves and satin sandals and say we've no money for butter. I shall sit down on the pavement when I'm tired and gobble up samples in shops and press alarm bells and run my stick along the public railings and make up for the sobriety of my youth. I shall go out in my slippers in the rain and pick flowers in other people's gardens and I'm gonna learn to spit. You can wear terrible shirts and grow more fat and eat three pounds of sausages at a go or only bread and pickles for a week and hoard pens and pencils and beer mats and things in boxes. But now, now we must have clothes to keep us dry and pay our rent and not swear in the streets. And now we must set examples for the children. We must have friends to dinner and to read the papers. Did you get it? Did you figure it out? Did you know I was talking about aging? Yeah, what we get to do when we're old and what we can't do as we're young. And if we're lucky, if we're lucky, we get to do that. But here's the key. As we feel that season coming on, we have some choices. We have some choices on how we receive it. And how we receive it determines the quality of life. And what does the aging process look like for you? Is it medical care? Is it medical costs that you have to pay? focus on? We're going to take a small bite out of that big space. But first, let me ask you, how many of you know someone that's 50, 60, 70, or 80? Better yet, how many of you are over 50? If I ask you to write on a sheet of paper right now one word that describes the image that comes into your mind of that person, what would it be? You know, I knew someone, I guess it's fair to answer, I lived with someone, my husband, who used to always say, well, you know, where you sit is where you stand. It took me a long time to figure out what he was talking about. But look at it this way, your current age, your exposure to, your responsibility for, an aging person will influence and decide the word that you you choose to, to use. Aging is a process, so are attitudes about aging. After our break, we will meet a woman who has an up-close and personal view and experience as a caregiver of an aging relative. Now, I want you to think of a layer cake. On top of that, I want you to layer with love understanding that that very person that she's dealing with has a developmental disability. My guest today has necessary courageous conversations every single day just to make it through her caregiving responsibilities. She is a wife, she's a mother, she's a retired school teacher, and she's a woman of faith. She wears the mantle of survivor. Now you all stay close.
and we are back. I'd like for you to welcome my guest in the studio, Ms. Sylvia Washington Jones. And I need to uh, need to put a little disclaimer in here. Uh, I know Sylvia. We happen to go to the same church and uh, sing in the same choir. And this has been, I guess, for a while. And when I wanted to start the series on Courageous Conversations, right there before me was the perfect living example of someone who is involved in a caregiving situation. So I said, hey, Sylvia, come, come talk to me. And she said, yes. So Sylvia, our audience is intergenerational and multicultural. And people always, always say to me, well, Ty, what should I say? So let's pretend, let's pretend that Sylvia is a best-selling book (laughs) and the things that she's going to tell us will make us continue to turn the pages and read her. Sylvia, tell us about you. Make us want to know you more. First of all, I'd like to thank you very much for the opportunity to do this. Aww. (laughs) Uh, It has been a very long time since I have done something like this. As to who I am I'll start off by telling you that I'm an unlikely educator. Okay. I, uh, my, my background um, all the way up through college and beyond was actually with journalism. Um, okay. I was supposed to be, based upon my parents' desire, uh, a writer, which I actually ended up doing a bit of that too. But I wanted to be a teacher. And... At the time that I was growing up, my mother and father felt that that was too limiting because between nursing, teaching, and law enforcement, those were the three main areas that blacks were able to be what we would call white-collar professionals. Yes, yes. And uh, they wanted me to do something else. So I um, went to college for uh, to Howard University. Um, to become a writer, and that is really where my training started. Um, as a little bit of a story on that, I um, had a choice coming out of high school to either go to UCLA or Howard University. Um, UCLA would only take me, I think my grade point average, something like about three, three, something like that, wouldn't take me unless I went on an EEOG grant, mm-hmm. Equal Employment Opportunity Grant. Mm-hmm. And uh, Howard would take me regardless. And I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't go to UCLA. I chose not to. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons was because, and this kind of shaped my life, uh, there would always be that quote-unquote stain of the only reason you're here at UCLA is because there was a grant allowing you to be here. Mm -hmm. I didn't want that. Mm -hmm. So that set the tone for me, actually. I absolutely loved my time at Howard. uh, And it did some great training. Mm -hmm. Um, Journalism, broadcast, um, I was able to do a lot of advocacy, um, uh, and I felt that uh, with the experiences that my parents had provided me, Deep South, we moved to Florida at one point before when I was younger, and I got a chance to see um, the civil rights era and how it was affecting blacks, mm-hmm. and it made a big impression on me um, to the point that I later uh, did a lot of advocacy in the area of uh, uh, teacher involvement in education um, from a point of view of the students, Mm -hmm. populations and all. Um, But I think that I learned that there are perspectives, I think, and that's one of my favorite words. Mm We only see it from the perspective of where we are coming from, but people arrive where they are based upon their experiences. Amen. And sometimes you have to show them that there are other experiences, and much of my life has been about that, uh, which is part of the caregiving that I do, and it opened my eyes to many things. Mm -hmm. Um, You have some questions, and I'll kind of frame the way I see myself is um, I cry when I see a child who's discovered that they're capable. As an educator, um, 
I absolutely loved teaching, loved it. Um, there is nothing like a child understanding that they can now do something that they were not either told, they were either told they couldn't do it mm -hmm. or they themselves thought they could not do it. My favorite uh, moment as a teacher, I taught first grade, second and third grade before I went to graduate school, was to see a first grader realize that the sound when put together could be cat. And, and then you couldn't stop them from reading. They would read anything they saw. Exactly. You couldn't stop them. And, and I didn't want to. That's right. Because that was the key to the world. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when they changed a bit of that, they called it yes. whole language. Abs oh, yeah. It denied a lot of students the opportunity to really understand the science of reading. I know. It really, really did. It, ma it made a difference in a lot of students' lives. And then they go back to that as remediation. Yes, they do. So, and and yeah. you'll hear special ed teachers say if they yes. would only do the phonics, yeah, you know, first. But uh, as I say, it it it, it was an eye opener. Education is um, and the lack thereof mm -hmm. is really an eye opener when you see the things that could be done to help many students. Yes, and all. Yes, it really yes, is. So yes. that kind of laid it for me as, as set the, the the groundwork for me as a person who's extremely. Um, what would I say? Um, observant. Yes. Very much so. Uh, about life. And uh, as we get in, we'll talk about where I am at this point in my life and all. Yeah, I, um, I'm interested in when, when you realized that you were going to become a caregiver. What did your life look like? Just quickly tell me. I'll, I'll, let's do it this way. Tell me a schedule of a day in your life prior to the role you play now, and then let's look at a schedule today. My aunt is who I am a caregiver for, mm -hmm. and I, um, she came into our home in 2005. Uh -huh. um, she has always been developmentally disabled. Okay. Um, she probably has, oh, this is difficult to say now because five-year-olds think quite a bit more the way than they did at the time she she's in her 80s uh -huh. um, but she um, deals a lot with repetition okay so once she hears it often enough she can pick up on it. and you really may not know that she has these challenges uh-huh and but she does so she came into my care in 2005 at that time my father was also living with me. So okay. there was a, a multi-generational situation there. Right. Um, I was not married at the time. And so, but I worked full time. Mm -hmm. So my father, I'll call him daddy, because that's what I called him. Daddy would basically watch her. He was obviously retired. Would watch her once she uh, went to uh, the daycare. She goes to daycare during the day. Uh -huh. And in the evening, I was free to go and pursue some of the interests that I have. Um, my father became um, dependent, I'll say, in 2012. Okay. And so, therefore, his ability to help with the overseeing, uh, the care, uh, was limited. By this time, however, I had gotten married. Mm -hmm. And my husband is a wonderful, wonderful yes, support. Is. Yes, he is. He really is uh very caring and all. But anyway, he provided a lot of the extra. Again, I was working mm -hmm. full time. Mm -hmm. He was retired. Mm -hmm. So, and then um, fairly recently in 2016, my father passed. Now, right. between 2012 and 2016, we had both my father and my aunt in the home. Right. It was, I, as I listened to you and we talk about uh, the profile of your, your, your aunt, uh, you were in a sandwich situation mm -hmm. you had a parent and you had a child exactly and then you add to that we all know that you don't just get married and have no responsibilities mm -hmm. as a wife mm -hmm. so the dynamics the energy the allocation the concerns mm -hmm. you had to the person i know you to be make sure everybody was okay mm -hmm. yeah it also helps to set priorities yes um and so you know Thinking in terms of it, because I was not married at the time I, I uh, was giving care, to think of getting married um, meant that that person 
would also be taking on yes, the responsibility. Absolutely. And as I said, you know, that that's more than a notion. Mm-hmm. So beautifully, and it's definitely not luckily, I don't believe in luck per se, um, but if, by the grace of God, I'll mm-hmm. tell you, I have a great support system, but I needed it yes, because did. I, I did, I was working full time. So with my father needing help and um, Doris needing help. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you know, you're, you're looking at what, what are my limitations? What are the, you know, the level of my responsibilities? And really it's very difficult to do without some support system. Well, let me ask you this. I feel like, as I listen to you, mm-hmm. and having been a caregiver for both my parents as they tra- before transitioning, uh, there were times when the weight was so heavy, and I can remember with my mom going two or three days without that luxurious shower, you know, just making sure she was okay. And there were times when I was uh, anxious. Uh, there were times when when I was angry that that had to happen to her. And there were times I felt cheated. Now, of course, I didn't, I wasn't married, so it was just me doing this. But I'm just wondering, yeah, you love all of them, but what happens to Sylvia? Do you have time to love you? Actually, the beauty, I think, and I, I hate to keep talking about this, but in the divvying up of responsibilities, I don't have to cook. Oh, okay, that's so a biggie. That's huge. Because the kitchen is my friend. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. I really don't. Breakfast, lunch, or dinner. So that's great. That's good. That's a biggie. Exactly. I think the biggest thing for me um, was realizing and, and is trying to realize at what point I am not assisting. At what point am I not helping? Mm-hmm. Have I reached a, a, a limit as to my utility in helping her. Mm-hmm. That to me, I think is the biggest thing because that means at that point when you realize that you're not helping, you've got to turn over that yes. responsibility. And that is extremely difficult to yes, do. Yes, it is, yes. Trust is huge in that. Yes. And um, I mean, even if you want to be able to take, I have a thing every year, I have some girlfriends that uh, we get together every year and um, my husband is able to watch her, but you know she's getting much more frail now. Yes. So it's a matter of someone probably coming in or mm-hmm. us taking. So that trust issue is really strong with me. I, I can't, I can't let go of all of that. You said something to me when we were casually talking about this, and I, I think this is significant for our listening audience. Um, I don't care who you are, if there's someone you're loving and, and you're taking care of them, it's, it's I guess like when your kids date the first time, you want to make sure who, that person they're with, you can trust your child. Backing even away from that, a relationship like, I trust me with you, that's big. But we were casually talking about um, assisted living, memory, um, uh, daycare, et cetera, and you talked about this and you said, you know, Ty, I, I think I'm going to have someone come in the house, but I don't know if I trust them. And then we got to laughing because you said, well, shoot, if something breaks, I went to work. And, and you know, someone was in my house then. I don't, and, and it's because it's someone you love. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and again, when you talked about relationships, far more fragile yeah. than material things. Yeah. And, and you don't want, in today's times, you hear more about it. I don't know that it's actually happening more, but it, you hear more. You do more hear about, more. You do. And uh, it is a trust factor mm-hmm. because you, you don't want to hear that someone has either been abused or neglected. Neglected, This is not yes. always abuse. Yes. It could be neglected. Absolutely. Or committing omission without giving them food on time, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And in your home, mm-hmm. you have certain things in your home. And um, it, it's, it's a process, trust me. That's, it is a that's process. what I wanted to talk about as I, I did my intro. Uh, yeah, you can't have a courageous conversation until you're doing some risk behaviors exactly. and making some decisions around those behaviors. And it is not easy. No. The day yeah. you say, uh, I need some help in the house for Doris, 
uh, even though I'm retired, I can't do it all myself. For me, when the doctor said, you can't do it by yourself, I went through a whole thing of guilt, you know. Mm -hmm. But wait, mm -hmm. this is my mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you can't do it. Even mm -hmm. when I put her in hospice, they mm -hmm. would kick me out. Mm -hmm. You can't stay here. Mm -hmm. You have mm -hmm. to find some space. Exactly. So that's, that's a scenario that um, I guess the courage for us is to say help. Help, and then also recognizing that there is a sacrifice also. Absolutely. And, and Good it, point. Good yeah, point. The sacrifice is understanding something that you treasure that you must let go of. Yeah. And you, you sacrifice, and I don't mean self-serving sacrifice. I'm talking about when you realize that some of the things that you actually took for granted will no longer be or can be a part of your life at that moment. As an example, um, I like Sunday school. I really enjoy it. Why? Because I'm a talker. And I really? enjoy it. <laughs> ah. You understand. Surprise. <laughs> and I enjoy the dialogue. I enjoy mm -hmm. the discovery, all mm -hmm. of that. That has been something that I've had to sacrifice willingly mm -hmm. willingly but it is something that i do miss i will say this tell why because i enjoyed it no i mean why what do you do instead ah. of going to sunday school oh uh we go to church but the issue for me is keeping her um occupied sitting for a length of time. Sunday school is approximately an hour, and then it's yes. approximately 35, 40 minutes before the service begins. Right. By the time it's over, it's another two hours. And even though it's, you know there are the personal care and mm -hmm. hygiene that mm -hmm. has to happen, and it's kind of uh, challenging, let's put it sure. that way. But I just wanted to make it clear that when you are in this role, the sacrifice you give up, Yes. And you did it willingly. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, and and uh, if I could just kind of give you an aside, my aunt um, was from my, um, my family was farmers. They mm -hmm. were farmers. And uh, they lived on a farm. And her job, interestingly, and this is the way it was mm -hmm. in years gone by, when you had a child or someone in the home who was developmentally disabled, mm -hmm. They did all the work that others did not want to do. Oh, yes, yes. She emptied the potties in I the morning. You. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, it is a privilege for me to deal with her hygiene and her care because that was all she did. And when people came to visit, she was put in the back room, you know, and told not to come out until. It, it, it wasn't thought of as being mean. It was the way that they handled people well, like You know, that. let's take it even a step further, Sylvia. That is a wonderful example. Historically, whether you're in slavery, whether you're free, you hide those things that you consider imperfect. Exactly. And how we hide them, you know, we all had our own ways of doing it, sure. but uh, yeah, and mm -hmm. guess what? We still do. Exactly. We sure. still do. Sure. And. I think, but when, you know, you know, when you talk about the journey of life, you know, those mistakes, those things that are not turning out or didn't turn out the way that you want, they're necessary. Mm -hmm. They are necessary. Mm -hmm. In her case, um, she gets to be regal now. She gets to be cared for. Yes, yes. And she enjoys it. Yes. Um, as I said, there are times when she, it, she slips as far as understanding what's really happening for her. Uh huh. But when I look back at her life, this is the least I could do. I'll tell you what makes me smile when I see Doris in church is the moment where she may recognize a hymn, and all of a sudden she's sitting there and she's singing all the words, and she's just disconnected from us, and in a joyful moment, and that is a gift. That is a gift that oh, she gives all of us. She is actually she plays piano by ear, and has since she was a two or three years old. Is that right? Oh, yes. And um, pretty much, she knows most of the show tunes of her era and oh, gospel this is, songs. I didn't know this. Oh, yes. And she she has, she is the one person at her daycare that has her own show once a month. 
Oh my goodness, where is she this gets, wonderful? She gets to play the piano and you know all the songs for some of the people that are there, and she knows her repertoire is huge. That is I didn't such a blessing. It is. And it, now, it, now stay at stay at daycare, okay? Mm-hmm. What what's that like for her? What's the, what what's the schedule like there? That is where she has her friends. Okay. They are solely her friends. Okay. She's been going there for about 15 years, 14, 15 years. Okay, so they're family. Oh, very much so. Okay. And they know her well. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I say, they have this show for her that she allows, you know, that she plays for them for yes. about a good 20 minutes. Oh, wow. Once a month, she uh-huh. gets to showcase her talents. Um, she gets the care, the attention. Uh, they do the, their nails. Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. They, um, you know, it, it just gives her a chance mm-hmm. to have her social network. So yeah. That is purely hers. Yeah. They have fashion shows. So she gets to have a life where it, it is it's fulfilling emotionally. Yes. Along with the spiritual, she has a full life there yes. too. She prays for our pastor, and you know, in in um, at, at dinner time and all. Uh huh. So the daycare has been a godsend. It sounds like it, it. is. Yeah. It is, and interestingly, uh, not a lot of people are really taking advantage of it, and it is they. You know, they are doing better at marketing what they are able to do yeah. from Medicaid all the way to sliding scale. Mm-hmm. It is available. It is a fantastic service. They go on field trips. Yes, yes, yes. I uh, I was at a um, health and wellness uh, fair all day Saturday. Uh, my Rotary uh, Club sponsored it, mm-hmm. and it was at the Vincent Hall Retirement Community, mm-hmm. which... Uh, was a delight, mm-hmm. but the vendors there, that's what I wanted to get to, mm-hmm. uh, the vendors who were present, uh, some representing other facilities mm-hmm. that had daycare services, some, I love this part, uh, ported exercise mm-hmm. to your home, mm-hmm. and uh, one thing that I saw that I had never seen was for seniors that are having audible issues, there's a piece of technology mm-hmm. that amplifies and allows them to be social, a mm-hmm. lot more social, mm-hmm. and not require hearing aid. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a whole thing on nutrition. Mm-hmm. And we, we do this annually, so the year before, mm-hmm. I decided, you'll mm-hmm. love this part, I decided I was gonna interview mm-hmm. some of the uh, residents. Wow. So by the time I got them all warmed up, just a couple of minutes, mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to them, I was walking one young one young lady back there, and she looked up at me. She said, "Now, who are you again?" <laughs> <laughs> so I went through this whole thing, and she said, "What am I? What? Why am I here?" Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, it was around Thanksgiving, so I asked them about the Thanksgiving they mm-hmm. remembered, and they would hook on to apple pie mm-hmm. or. D- and for me, it was just joy mm-hmm. because I just let it roll. Exactly. But to have this, and she was, I'm tall. Okay, mm-hmm. so she may have come up, mm-hmm. may have come to my shoulder. She mm-hmm. had the prettiest little blue hair. Mm-hmm. And she looked up at me and said, and who are you? And she was just coming <laughs> along. Who, who are you? You know, you know let, me, let me throw in, really, the daycare center and, and facilities like that yeah. not only provide a whole set of, of, of life, so to speak, for the participants. Yes. It provides a respite. For the caregiver, absolutely. So, for us, Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. from about seven to five thirty, uh-huh. she can be there. It gives you. That's why I was able to work. Yes, yes. yes. Um, that is why I'm able to to do my little thing that I like to do anyway. You know, mm-hmm. now because it, it's it's a place. Talk about trust. It certainly is a place where you know, because they also know her, it is um, uh, governed, it's monitored, Mm -hmm. um, and it's a wonderful thing. How did you find it? She actually, in the way that she came to us, she had been attending it, so I didn't find it for it. And when her care came to me, uh, it was a matter of just continuing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and I know you have seen the increase of TV marketing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. 
making decisions for your mom mm -hmm. is a big thing, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know why they don't say your dad, mm -hmm. uh, but it's big business mm -hmm. now. It, um, and a lot of it has to do with the boomers aging. Mm -hmm. You know, we were the largest generation mm -hmm. until millennials came along. Mm -hmm. So I think we're gonna see a lot more positivity exactly. and less uh, trauma and bad feelings mm -hmm. and whispers mm -hmm. around aging, I think. And I look at what AARP did and they changed that now. They got all kinds of positive things and images. But you know, one of the things that I am noticing though, and, and, and without getting specific, mm -hmm. um, certain cultural populations do not, they're not used to handing over the care. And we're one of them. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that is in fact, although they're doing a lot of marketing, there's a kind of thing now where uh, they're just not reaching, talking about the African-American community. Mm -hmm. So the churches are going to be very instrumental because a lot of, some churches, even in our area, are providing a lot That's of those true. services. That's true. But a lot of them have a built-in demographic that could, could use it, and it is relatively affordable Right. Particularly if you can qualify for the various programs. And the thing that uh, I noticed uh, when I was uh, working at one of the community colleges, the influx of uh, new Americans and the ability of their cultures, traditionally they didn't turn over anything. Their elders were on a throne. And to offer that service and then the language barrier, the culture incompetence of us offering the services mm -hmm. was huge mm -hmm. and is huge mm -hmm. so you're right um yeah they almost have to do target marketing but you know one of the things that also stops them from necessarily reaching um some communities is because of the multi-generational mm -hmm. the way in which they live multiple multiple generations in a home absolutely African Americans had not been doing as much of that, particularly those in in the in urban areas. Mm -hmm. that, you know, kind of when you have that nuclear family and mm -hmm. you have whatever. But we do take care of. So what I'm suggesting is that we really start looking at that as an option. You can you can monitor it, monitor it yourself mm -hmm. if you choose to. But there are varying scales on on cost and and technology allows us to Absolutely. do. I mean, you can go to work. You can check on Dars. Absolutely. You can talk to Dars. That's right. And I said, well, if they can do that for dogs and cats, they can sure do it for Grandma, Absolute, right? Absolutely. Uh, so I'm encouraged. Yes. I'm encouraged that the door of acceptance mm -hmm. has been opened, mm -hmm. and I think it's been opened out of necessity because mm -hmm. we're no longer looking ahead. Mm -hmm. We are it. That's right. Okay? That's exactly it. And I think when we are it and we walk in that space, uh, our attitudes are open. I need to do a really short break right now. Okay. And I'm going to do just that. Okay, I won't get spanked now. <laughs> and we are back. We are talking with Ms. Sylvia Washington-Jones, and we're talking about the role she is in now as a caregiver, and perhaps more uh, dramatic and rewarding and creative. She is a caregiver of her aunt in her 80s who is developmentally dis, dis, delayed, I'm sorry. And we've been talking about some of the challenges, but more importantly, some of the hope that is coming through, uh, through us as boomers, actually. We, we want to take care of ourselves. And um, talk just a little bit, Sylvia, about uh, what a day is like one, okay, she goes to um, daycare, she comes home, and then how is time spent? Well, let me start off my morning with her. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I, yes. I think that that would kind of give you a, a bigger picture, of a better picture of it. Basically, she's, I get her up about 7.30 in the morning. Okay. I'm up about 5, 5.30, uh -huh. if for no other reason than, than contemplation and, right. and praying and all of those good things. You know, I get her up at 7.30 and she has her breakfast. Mm -hmm. Her favorite breakfast is Cheerios. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I knew she you. loves Cheerios. I knew you were so going to say that. So we have Cheerios. <laughs> we have a cup of coffee. Uh -huh. We have our medicine. Okay. And uh, once she does that, mm -hmm. then I 
have her to go back to her room so she can take care of her personals. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Then we take a shower. Okay. And this is every morning. Okay. She puts on her clothes. Oh, well, I help her put on her clothes. I comb her hair. She has to have some lipstick. And um, <laughs> I love she this. must have lipstick. Yes. And she has her glasses clean and then she waits for me. Okay. And then I then go and take care of my needs in getting ready. And then I get her to the center, in this case, around about 10 o'clock. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And she is there, and they have their whole regimen yes, of what they're doing. Yes. It could be anything from a field trip to her show to uh, playing puzzles or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And then I pick her up about 5.20, 5.15 okay. in the afternoon. So I'm free to pretty much do what I would want to do. Right. When I pick her up, she loves to listen to music. So we do a lot of uh, music choice. Okay. And um, that is what entertains her for the balance of her afternoon, short of coming and having dinner. Yes. Uh, she prefers to be in her room, and she sings, and she knows pretty much all of the song, which is what you see yes. in church. Right, right. Because the gospel channel is one of the channels she enjoys. So um, she's pretty much able to entertain herself. Mm-hmm. Um, her room is equipped with her own toilet. Okay. Um, she has her bed, a rocking chair, and her stuffed animals, which she calls Scratch. It's her little doggy. I love it. That. I love it. <laughs> she's named him. Um, but anyway, that's pretty. And then she's in bed by about eight thirty, nine o'clock. Good. That's so a full day. It is a full day, and 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 it's full. You know. For me, too. Right. You know, one of the things I really wanted to kind of add into this, some of the, I call it the benefits of caregiving from okay. the perspective of me. Um, it allows you to have a heightened concern for someone else. Correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's what it's pretty much taught me. I, I'm, I'm kind of reading her, her body language, sure. and I look at her. It, 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 it allows you to see her evolution emotionally, mm -hmm. physically, and spiritually, mm -hmm. okay? And you can see the change. Okay. Said she's been with me for 13 years, and I'm seeing the change. Right. Um, also, you learn the applicability to your own life. Mm. That was really important with my father um, mm -hmm. in understanding what he was going through and the preparation paperwork that needed to be done. And I can't imagine someone who doesn't have help how they do this. It makes me wonder with property and what happens to people who Things have no slipping help. through Oh, cracks. Yes, yes, very much so. Yes. Uh, empathy. Yeah. Empathy has been enhanced on my part, you Absolutely. know, being able to walk in their shoes. And, and one, another one is the sense of duty and responsibility. And it's not burdensome, and I think that's what I was saying to right. you. you know, I consider it a privilege um, to be able to be there for her. It, it does a lot for me. Mm -hmm. It really does. And so that's, those are some of the things that I've learned through this. As I said, the paperwork and the, the uh, ability to keep up with what, what's going to happen upon transition, yes. whether or not I'm there. Yes, you know? yes. I think... Um, if I were to give uh, homework to our listeners, uh, I would say remember key phrases like trust mm -hmm. and empathy mm -hmm. and the gift of being a caregiver. Absolutely. It's almost like a second chance to be mom. Exactly. Yeah. And I really saw this with my father particularly oh, okay. because my aunt is delayed. Right. My but father was, was not. And I could see his appreciation for yes. me. And he would say, you know, I know my daughter and my son-in-law are going to take care of me. And, and he did. had his right mind. Right. And, and, and you could best believe. Uh, real quickly, I, he was at a rehab, I'll name it, but he was in a rehab out of ways. It was about 30 miles one way mm -hmm. for us. And I felt that they were not giving him attention. So I made two trips mm -hmm. every day, mm -hmm. uh, which was over 100 miles. But come on now, you're daddy's little girl. Oh, That's yeah. That's what we do. And I wanted them to know that. Yes. Oh, yeah. And they so, did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know that I gave you an assignment. Absolutely. And I do this for each of my guests. And I ask him 
ask them to think back, walk into their past, and then walk forward and write a letter to their younger self and uh, see what they have to say. So I'm going to ask you to do that at this point. Would you mind? Okay. I entitled mine Letter to D.C. and Niambi. Okay. Now, caveat. D.C. was a nickname given to me by an old boyfriend years ago due to my love of partying and Chocolate City. I loved D.C. Niambi came later, and it was another nickname given by another old flame during my Afrocentric years. Uh -huh. That was after Howard and all. And it means melody due to my love of the French horn. I played the French horn uh -huh. for a number of years. Classical music and jazz. So here we go. Hello, D.C. You are now a graduate of Howard University, a school that you consider one of the major highlights of your life, and rightfully so. It was there that you received the strong sense of your heritage and the attitude of you can and will do it. Your early life was filled with wonderful experiences of struggle in the segregated civil rights era. And your parents demonstrated courage and guided you through an era of understanding the greatness of your people, even through perilous times in the Deep South. Mama, the firecracker, was your model for speaking up for the rights of others. And Daddy was the introspective one who taught you to contemplate the effect of your actions. I want to share what I know now that could help you to understand where the Lord is going to walk with you, even though it will take a long time for you to realize it. My, how you have grown, emotionally, intellectually, and most of all, spiritually. So long ago, you were the young woman with big dreams, yet low self-esteem about your own sense of beauty, and yet you had so much potential. You carried the mantle of being the first to go to college in your family, and were you proud. You knew what it meant for them, and you demonstrated your appreciation through hard work and generally followed through with your ideas. Ideals. You were able to achieve much of what you desired. You worked with many of the notables that some only dream of knowing. And you had to learn the hard way that consequences always follow actions, good or bad. However, here's some lessons that you will have to learn along this journey we call life. We create nothing. So don't get so high on your horse. We only repurpose what is already created. Your being on this earth does not entitle you. There is no entitlement. Be grateful for all things. Recognize that others have perspectives too. Be humble and learn to disagree without being disagreeable. Calm down. Listen to life. Be still. Arrogance about oneself should really not exist as one gets older. Don't settle for the mediocre. Not only is it not accept acceptable, but you're doing what society says is all right may cause you to fall out of the running. Know the standards by which you will be judged. Then try to exceed them, knowing that you truly will have done your very best. Life should be lived intentionally. Know and set your priorities. Remember your mistakes are part of the journey. Did you learn anything from them? The acquisition of things does not make one's life more valuable. Relationships and experiences are the most, I dare say, the only important values. Money or the acquisition of it is not a qualifier of or for one's worth. Think about it. Do you, will you really need all that stuff later on? Cherish your moments with loved ones. Time passes by all too quickly. In the end, someone else should have benefited from your being on this earth. Love yourself, be available, and above all, have a prayer life, study the word, know that God through Jesus Christ is real, and it does matter that we are just passing through. Know where you want to go, be willing to change course. Thank you. Sylvia, that was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for thinking it through and giving it to us as a gift. 
That was the voice and the wisdom of Ms. Sylvia Washington-Jones, and I suspect she will be back. Let me add to those words just a few thoughts uh, from some authors that I tend to like. One says, life is short, and it's up to you to make it sweet. That's from Sarah mm -hmm. Delaney. Another is, kindness is the language with the de which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. Mark Twain. Mm -hmm. Aging is not lost youth, but a new stage of opportunity and strength. Betty Friedan. None are so old as those who have outlived enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. Henry David Thoreau. I'll put it in my language. Never stop strutting yourself. There you go. Be yourself. Everyone else is taken. Please understand in my own words and my heart, know that you're worthy, that you're never alone, and that you are not your circumstances. You have everything you need inside of you to be who you were created to be. Listen, I'm here, and I hear you. Your seat is guaranteed at the table. I'm going to have Mr. Tony Walker take us home. See you next time. Bye now. <laughs>